Are you wondering how to use your love of writing to glorify God and bless others, but you aren't really sure where to start? Or maybe you've been writing for a while, but now you want to start putting that work out into the world for others to read. If so, you are not alone and you are in the right place. My name is Amy Simon, and this is the Purposeful Pen Podcast, where we uncover how to build a writing life that brings joy to us, glory to God, and benefits others. Welcome back to The Purposeful Pen. So this week, we are continuing the discussion with Jana Carlson and Rachel Baker about building a platform off of social media. So last week, we talked about collaborating with other writers. And this week, we're talking about connecting with our audience and growing our audience in person. But I want to just, let's define we really shouldn't have to define this, but we do define in person, right? Because in the past, I would think obviously in person means like someone face to face, you're physically like present in the same geographical location. But but I think in this age of Zoom calls and other types of video calls, like we kind of expand that definition to be connecting with people remotely over video. Is that fair? I mean, I think that kind of counts. It's, I mean, we're sort of in person with the two of you, even though we're in different parts of the country and not country, Canada. We're not necessarily, again, talking about abandoning all technology. We're just talking about limiting or avoiding wherever you fall on the spectrum, um, social media. So in-person opportunities, what have you ladies done that has worked and what has not worked in this area? Uh, I teach writing workshops locally, and I also teach online. I've found that to be not only thoroughly enjoyable, but also very effective in building my platform. Um, And then I just, I do Bible teaching at women's ministry events as well, um, in person, in the traditional sense of the word, uh, as well as online. I don't know that I've had any in-person opportunities that did not work, so I can't speak to that part. How did you get those in-person opportunities? Like, how did you gather people and find the people to come? So I started teaching in my church, and and I teach in my church on a regular basis. And so word spreads, people who know me uh, personally, they tell their their church or their women's ministry leaders or whatever. Um, so far, it's I'm not I'm not like interested in traveling the world or anything like that to teach. I like teaching locally, so that's that's what I've done so far. How about you, Rachel? Uh, so I love the in person the most. Probably it's my favorite, and I would say. I am more comfortable with the Zoom virtual setting than a whole lot of people are just because back in 2017, I had a lot of health stuff. I was a teacher, classroom teacher, and I had to come home. I could not continue in the classroom. And so I had to kind of pivot into online teaching. And so I say a lot, like I was teaching online before it was the cool thing to, you know, 2020 hits, everybody's teaching from home. I had already been doing it for several years. And so I'm very familiar and comfortable with the virtual setting. I've uh, done a lot of 
things that I've hosted personally, as far as workshops, coaching sessions, trainings, some of them ministry related, some of them online business related, just a lot of different things. Uh, But something I really try to be open to and keep my mind open is when I hear of other people hosting events, if it is something that is beneficial to me, or I know there are going to be people there that I would love to connect with. I really try to see if I can get myself there, whether it's a virtual thing or an actual in-person. I love the, you know, you mentioned geographically in the same place. Those are my favorite. And I, I like to say I'm a social introvert. I, I come across as very extroverted a lot, But after, you know, today, even I've just got three back-to-back meetings and interviews and all the things. And when I get done, I'm going to want to go crawl in a hole for a while and recharge. And it's not anything about the people. It's just the energy that I expend socially. And so um, I have had a lot of amazing connections that have been made. I think when you are in person, whether it's face-to-face or over the virtual setting, you're able to connect on a different level than you are even in your email list, but especially against social media, which we're kind of framing against. You are able to have more conversation. You can see those facial expressions. You There's more emotion conveyed and things you can connect on personally. And so I love going to retreats. I love hosting retreats. I love going to conferences, um, writing conferences are especially a lot of fun because, you know, solidarity sisters and anything where we can just find the common ground and encourage and support each other. You get to see, I know last time we talked a lot about those big name authors for us. Everybody's got their own people, right? That you're like, I love them. They'd never even look at me or, you know, it's really silly sometimes the way we think about it, but then to meet those people in person maybe, uh, and to make that connection and to realize we're actually all humans with similar fears and insecurities. And, um, they started off just like you, where you are. And even still I've met authors who have published multiple books, traditional publishing. They've got lots of books on the shelves doing really well. And they still have that sense of like, I don't know if anybody's going to want to read this. I don't, I don't know. Why am I here? These people don't want to hear what I have to say. And, uh, I would not have known that had I not gone to the things or attended the virtual event and heard from them and made that connection. So really just showing up, putting myself out there, I would say is what has worked the most. And so I'm hearing those in-person things, they both give you a platform for your message, but it also is beneficial just in connecting and networking with other people that down the road can lead to other sorts of collaborations or being involved in, you know, summits and teachings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Rachel, when you have taught um, your own courses or, or things like that, like how have you found the people to come? Cause usually we look at social media and go, Oh, well, that's, I have to put this stuff out on social media to gather people to come to my in-person virtual or geographic in-person thing. But if we're not using that either at all, or as our primary, how do you find the people? 
Right. Well, so if you've got an email list at all, that's a big one to use. And like Jana said, just in-person people that you know. I mean, listen, one of my biggest supporters is my mama. Okay. I will just like, Hey mom, I'm doing this thing. Spread the word. And she absolutely, she's like, let me tell you what my girl is doing. She will tell. And I love that. I love that support. And so even just, I think one of the scariest things when you are trying to put yourself and your message out there, wherever there is, right. Um, It's a big, brave, scary thing to do. But I have the hardest time, especially having a podcast, if someone at church is like, I listened to your episode this week, girl, I just, what, what, that was what I needed to hear. I'm like, don't tell me that I don't listen to my stuff. I want people to listen to my stuff, but also not the people that know me and see me all the time because... I do better if I think people that I know are not listening to this. I don't know why that is. Um, And so to get over that, because obviously I don't need to respond in that way. I don't need to be like, oh, don't listen to my stuff. That's, that's not great. But just thank you. I'm so glad that was encouraging for you to get over myself, I guess, is a big piece of it. And to be able to share with the people in real life who can then share it with theirs. And even though I might not be active on a lot of social media, they are. And so to say, here's a link or here's a photo, if you would be willing to share this with your Instagram, Facebook, whatever, um, that can make a big difference as well. So you don't have to be the one showing up on social to be showing up on social, if that makes sense. You can still be out there if others are excited and willing to share for you. I love that. I can so relate to that whole, like, why is it so weird to blend like our online life with our in-person life? And when that started happening, where I'd run into somebody in the, in the grocery store who was like, Oh, I know you, you wrote, you know, blah, 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 blah. You wrote this, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> yes. When I was doing online teaching, I had a YouTube channel because I was doing training videos of like how to become an online teacher, how to create your own online courses. It was all these different things. And then I would have those people like that YouTube video was so good. I love that helped me. I'm like, Oh, good. I'm so, I didn't mean for you to watch that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And it's like, why is that so strange? And yet it's so important, I think, for us to step into, okay, this is what God's called me to do. Like even my neighbors can know that that's okay. Cause this is part of who I am. I think it, it amplifies that imposter syndrome because it's Mm -hmm. easier for us to be kind of some persona or something online that our next door neighbor knows nothing about. And it's easier just to kind of keep those things separate. But when we start doing things, you know, in person, it makes it harder because now we have people from our church or, you know, in the grocery store who are like, oh yeah, I read your podcast or watched your podcast or I read your blog post and, oh, that was really cool. And so, yeah, it's definitely awkward, at least at first. And then I think as we do more of these things, it kind of becomes a little more normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I've experienced that same thing at the beginning as well, but I, now I look back on that and I'm actually really grateful for that awkward season and that I continued 
to do it because what I found was the more feedback I got from people I know personally and from the people in my own church, the more I realized what I am, what I am doing is a service. Like I am serving them with the way that God has uniquely gifted me. And that kind of helped to um, reframe platform building in my mind, because we have that resistance to promoting ourselves. We don't want to be salesy. The whole like marketing component of, you know, being a writer is uncomfortable for us, maybe even particularly because we are Christians and we are um, conditioned to be opposed to anything resembling pride. But, But my experience in serving my local church through the gifts God has given me and the feedback that they've given me has helped me uh, to realize I'm I don't want to promote myself, but I do want to build up the body of Christ with the gifts that God has given to me. And so it's really just stepping into that, stepping into the call that God has on my life. And so I'm so grateful for the people in my local church who took the time to come and talk to me face to face and tell me how my writing or my teaching has impacted them because it gives me, um, it encourages me, um, but also reminds me of what it is that I'm actually doing here. And I think that that's something that has actually been a thread through our entire conversation. We talked about connection and I think it's important for us to distinguish between platform building from the perspective of numbers versus Mm -hmm platform building um, from the perspective of connection or making a difference in somebody's life. Yes, a hundred percent. I will say one, um, and I'll wrap up, you know, this part of it with this, but some of the best coaching or advice that I have received on this, when I first made the pivot from just online teaching into more this ministry, writing, coaching um, along these lines, I originally was under the heading of merciful mornings. That's, you know, my company name. That was my brand name, everything, my Instagram handles, you know, everything I had was merciful mornings and, um, two people, Allie Fallon, I got to meet and talk with her at a conference, which never would have happened. And she's a great author. Um, but we were talking and I was, you know, sharing some of my things with her and I, told her, you know, that I did follow her on Instagram and she was like, Oh, well, what, who are you on Instagram? And I told her, I said, merciful morning. She's like, Oh yeah, I follow you. I know that. And I was like, Ooh, you know, one of those moments, Oh, we fell and knows who I am, but she didn't really, because it was, she knew merciful mornings. She didn't know who Rachel Baker was. And so a little couple months after that, I got to meet and talk with Mary Morantz. And one of the things she challenged me with the most was, do you want to be known? And it wasn't a question of, do you want to be famous? Do you want to be popular? But she saw me hiding from people behind Merciful Mornings. People didn't necessarily know it was Rachel Baker saying these words and preaching these things. And it was this brand name. And that was when I made the change to just put everything out under Rachel D. Baker because It wasn't that I wanted to be known. I want to be famous. It was, I want to own that I was created to share this message. I want to own the fact that 
I'm not ashamed to be connected to these things. If I'm putting content out, whether it's written or spoken, I, I want to not be proud in a puffed up way, but just like, thank you, Lord, for this and using me in this way and to not hide. And so I think a big piece of that, what you're saying, Jana, you know, these people that we know are reading these things and saying like, oh, I read your piece on instead of going like, you read my, you know, it's not about me. Like, I'm so glad God was able to utilize that to encourage you in that way or to spur you on towards whatever it was. Um to not have the shame and fear associated with it, but to, so as we talk about collaboration, that inner work, that mindset piece, I think is a huge step towards being able to collaborate with others and own, I I like to call it a holy confidence, right? We have a holy confidence in who God created us to be and the skills and strengths that we have to serve the people that he connects us to. Um, That's a game changer for sure. A holy confidence. I like that because it is, I mean, that's the whole imposter syndrome thing comes in where it's like, who am I to do this? You're a child of God Mm -hmm. filled with the Holy spirit endowed with gifts that are used, that are meant to be used to build up the body of Christ. That's who you are to be doing this. So own that, <laughs> you know, by the grace of God, not in your own power, but, but own it and walk in it. So, okay. For some people, the idea of the in-person thing, thing, well, I have to be really good at public speaking and that just makes me want to puke or, um, I am, I'm not an extrovert. I probably have to be an extrovert in order to do this. Like, how do I, how would you encourage someone who hears all of that and just wants to run the other way? Well, the whole extrovert thing, that is just a lie. (laughs) Just flat out a lie. (laughs) I am uh, an introvert. Like I would I, my family would probably say I'm a hardcore introvert, but I really like what you said, Rachel, before that you're a social introvert because I can relate to that because I love people. But yeah, after after an in-person event, I definitely need to recharge. But I think a big thing for me, what has um, made it even possible for me to do public speaking is I wholeheartedly believe in my message because my message changed my life and I want everyone else to experience that as well. And so um, I think that's a, a big, I think that makes a difference. If somebody asked me to do public speaking and talk about, I have no idea, like something that isn't important to me, I don't know if I could do it. So again, it comes back to that whole serving the body of Christ thing, I, I do it, even though I'm scared, um, and sometimes uncomfortable, just because I, I want to serve them. Um, So that's how I get over my, my awkwardness, I guess. Yeah, there's, well, there's even, I will say, I recognized probably a little over a year ago, there is a difference between a writer who speaks, and a speaker who writes. And I acknowledge I am a speaker who writes and I love both. But even when I write, a lot of times the words have to come out of my mouth first and then they can go on the paper or into the Google Doc or whatever it is. Um, And so I think taking a moment to decide where you land on that because 
yes, we're writers, but we're all gifted a little bit differently in that. And so I think that's a big piece to figure out. Um, another piece of that is, no, you absolutely do not have to be an extrovert. Even though I am a speaker, I'm not an extrovert. I am not energized and jazzed up by being with a bunch of people. I love the people. I love the experience. I cannot do it 24 seven. One of my very best friends is an extrovert and she will go all day, every day. She'll have like a big long weekend retreat with all these people and we get done and it's time to go home. And I'm like, deuces. I don't even want to talk to anybody. And she's texting me like, Hey, do we have small group at church tonight? Do we get, and I'm like, oh, can't that's that's not even on my radar friend but she's so excited to show up for more people and so if that's your jam awesome it is going to come more naturally to be with people uh that doesn't necessarily mean that the speaking piece comes more naturally though or is easier uh the other piece i would say you know amy you mentioned standing up in front of a room full of people and it doesn't have to be a stage with hundreds of people listening. I've done, you know, virtual workshops with three ladies and the impact of that content for those three ladies was exactly what it needed to be in the exact season that they needed to hear it. And that was a beautiful thing to be part of. And so I just want to acknowledge that it doesn't have to be this big, grandiose ballroom full of, you know, if you are excited about that kind of thing, shoot for the stars, my friend. And those events don't bother me so much. Um, part of that is because I'm also a singer. I've been on stage. I've performed. You know, that's great. But those smaller events, those sitting in a classroom at the church building with a handful of women who are hungry for the word, that is a beautiful thing to be part of too. So don't let the size or the scope or the platform idea put you off from sharing words in that way, for sure. Another option is you could also pre-record something. So yes. like, you know, the online course idea, for example, you could pre-record your teaching and I have done that, but I think there's this, for someone who maybe hasn't had a lot of experience with this, we tend to think that, you know, a smaller group is more comfortable or even pre-recording would be more comfortable because there aren't people there, but I've actually found the opposite to be true. And that surprised me. But the reason why is because you get real time in the moment response. And I, there is this one woman in our church, like, Every time I teach, she's there and she sits in the back, but she nods and she agrees verbally and she oh, is favorite. just such an active listener. And I, I thank her at the end every time because it's so amazing how that encourages me in the moment as I'm teaching. If I say something that you know, was kind of like hard one words that maybe are kind of scary to say out loud. And then she nods or she says, yes, then it's like, oh, it's like in the moment I can breathe a sigh of relief and keep going with my message with that confidence that I'm, I'm on the right track or that I'm resonating with at least one person. And I'm so thankful for listeners like that because um, it's, 
oh, it's just, it, it's a game changer. And so now I actually don't like pre-recording my teachings for that reason. I just, I much prefer the real time thing. And, and I've actually found that I often end up changing what I would normally say based on the response that I'm getting from the people who are uh, listening. And um, I think that results in maybe a more effective message in the end. I love that. Yeah, though that's my favorite. That's like my favorite thing ever. And one of the reasons I do love speaking, because um, same thing, the last event I spoke at was a room full of ladies at a church. We did a full day event and there was one precious woman who sat, I can still see her like sitting right there in the audience. And she was very active and like, oh, girl, yes. You know, we have some good like Southern, you know, encouragement going on, girl, yes, preach. And it's the best um, with the recording. I've done a lot of teaching on recording your online courses, whatever they may look like, different options for that. Uh, the, another thing I do come in contact with in coaching that is those of us who like for things to be perfect. When you record your lessons ahead of time, you have the ability to re-record and re-record and re-record. And I have to say so many times that it's now like one of my catchphrases, beta first, better later, beta first, better later. I say it so many times because you've, the goal is not to put perfection out into the world. And like you've said, like Jana, you can't be perfect when you're there live in person, you just share what you share. And when you do record ahead of time, and there is a time for that, there's absolutely a, a reason, a time, a topic where that is effective and needed. Um, but if you're like, well, I just need to record it and not ever be live with people, then maybe, but also you don't want to let your perfectionist tendencies prevent your message from reaching other people. So that's just another caveat I would throw in there to be mindful of. Definitely. Well, ladies, thank you again for all these thoughts about in-person things. And uh, stay tuned next week to talk a little bit about SEO. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Substack so you'll never miss an episode. You can support the podcast by liking and commenting on episodes and, of course, sharing it with others. If you become a paid subscriber on Substack, you'll get journaling prompts or additional resources every Wednesday that pertain to the week's episode. You will also have access to the monthly writing Q&A call and subscriber-only chats. But as always, the podcast itself will remain free. <laughs>